Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today's show is going to be a great one. We're going to be talking about seeing a PT virtually, remotely, something that uh, so many people have not done. However, the technology is there now, so we're going to see basically what it's all about, who it could be good for, who maybe it won't be good for, or which circumstances you may want to see someone more in person, uh, but we're going to be talking all about it, and I can't wait to get into it with Marika. Before we do, I want to talk to you about what's going on over at Relay. So we had our launch last week. If you've listened to the podcast, you already know that Relay is a site over on Patreon that we have started with me and eight amazing teammates that uh, are really crushing it. So we had our first week of free content. It's going to end very soon. Tuesday is going to be the last day. Uh, this is going to be published on Monday, this episode. And this is just a normal Rambling Runner episode. And these will continue to come out uh, twice a week per usual. Uh, today, Zoe Rome's article about Instagram is out, and it's so good. Zoe is the editor-in-chief of Trailrunner Magazine. She is also now the managing editor at Women's Running. She is an absolute force, and her writing is very, very high-end. And just go over there and check it out. I can't say enough about what we're doing over at Relay. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Relay. And for a mere $9 a month, you're going to get nine people putting out a ton of content, over 20 pieces of content per month, including four to five live shows a month. And uh, we're just really excited about what's going on over there. Now, let's get into my conversation with Marika. All right, Marika, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's a big pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So on this show... Long-time listeners know this, and you're listeners, so you might know this as well. <laughs> we like to follow dedicated amateur runners. We do a lot of feature stories, but usually mm-hmm. once or twice a month, we like to do something that has like an almost like an educational purpose to it. So whether that's talking to um, you know, a, a Coach's Corner episode, talking to a dietitian, talking to a physical therapist, which is what we're doing today, and things like that, I think that's going to be a huge, huge help to the dedicated amateur runners who are listening to this show, and we always get a lot of good feedback on those episodes. And with that in mind, I'm so glad to welcome you to the podcast today. Where are you calling in from? Oh, I'm actually in Barbados today. <laughs> nice. Look well, at you. Is this is this a vacation? Are you calling me on your vacation? I, did I get no. is that is that is that an honor I can take? No, 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 no. This is the the new nomadic lifestyle, which uh, was helped along by COVID a little bit. But um, yeah, we we took a choice a few years back that this we needed better weather basically than the UK, and the UK was never going to give it to us, so we had to figure out our lives how can we work from anywhere so yeah we've been in Barbados for three months now and we're moving on to South America in a week from now wow you're world travelers and people (laughs) might be thinking UK she doesn't tell she has a UK accent before that you were in (laughs) South Africa you're a a literal globe traveler at this point which is really exciting and you mentioned the idea of like hey the nomadic lifestyle that um, Mm. many people can do uh, in the the current working environment, that's me. You, you're seeing my basement right now, right? So I work yes. from home. I'm my own boss. I know that you have um, a similar situation. And I want to talk about this because as a physical therapist, it's not exactly 
what people would think of as a, a job that would allow someone to kind of like live wherever they want. Certainly people need physical therapists wherever they want, but in terms of a servicing your client business, clientele, I mean, that's not exactly what people would assume. With that said, no. you have such an interesting background. Take us back to 2014 when you kind of first started dipping your toes into this um this kind of work lifestyle, which really yeah. predated what, when any of us were really thinking about this sort of thing. Well, to be honest, it started when we went on a holiday and we always, so we lived in the UK for about 10 years and over the winter time, we would always go on holiday to a sunny place. And we came back from Costa Rica and I remember as the plane landed, it was just like this horrible UK weather where it's not even that cold, it's just gray. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. How can I not have to do this anymore? Um, so yeah, then I thought, how can I reinvent myself? Because as a physio, if you want to work in other places, you have to actually be living in those places. You've got to write an exam to be able to practice there. Um, so I had to, to think outside the box. So I, I came up with the idea of doing it online. And at that point, every single person I spoke to thought I was absolutely nuts. Because without fail, they always say, but you're a physio, you've got to touch me, you know, you've, how are you going to do this? But I had already known that this can work because what had happened in the practice was the practice was so busy, the physical one I was working in, that I was helping people via email. So I would see them once and then they would go, I can't get an appointment with you for three weeks. What do I need to do? So I would be guiding their rehab. And I thought, you know what, if I can do this via email, then you have to be able to do this when you can see somebody on a video call. Um, but then, of course, you've got to get people to buy into that and understand that it, that it is possible. Um, and I must admit that I started the business in 2014 and I think I had no patience for the first year because I was trying to figure out how to have a website, how to get found, all of that stuff. And, and then I had one patient and I had a little panic attack and I said to him, I don't know if I can help you online. If I'll do it for free if you give me a review, if it works out. And yeah, it worked. And that was the start of it. Oh, my gosh. This is great. So I'm, I'm going to try not to make this a business podcast. <laughs> every fiber of my being as someone who has done something similar to you in a different in a different medium, in a different yes, genre, yes. but something pretty similar. I'm going to resist that urge and kind of keep it on the running side of things. But you brought up, you bring up the first part that you brought up was, was a really good point, was the lag time, oftentimes, mm. that people face when trying to book appointments with a physio or a physical therapist. Exactly. And I know that I've experienced this as well. Even even you get to be on really good terms with your physical yes. therapist. It just, a lot of people need to see these people. They can be super time intensive. And especially if your time, whether it's because of jobs or because of kids and things like mm. that, it's it, there's such small windows to see these folks. And for your own schedule as well, I have found just getting in to see a phys physical therapist to be an extremely frustrating thing. And I never took it out on them because I figured like <laughs> they probably want my business. It's not their fault. But I just, as from a patient perspective, I've always been like, oh my gosh, like when I need to see these people, mm. I've always feel like I'm waiting to, to make it happen. You know, yeah. what's it like on the other side of it in terms of like, obviously like yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're trying to help, but you know, it, what, what was like the sense of urgency on the other side? Well, it gets frustrating because then patients, to progress, you have to, first of all, the reason review appointments on a regular basis is useful is because you can plan out an exercise plan as perfect as you think it is. And then the person tries it at home and they have a massive flare up and now they can't go on with it. And 
Now they've got to wait two, three weeks before they can speak to you. So they're essentially doing nothing for two, three weeks, which is ridiculous because now you've got a frustrated person on the other side. You're frustrated because you're not seeing results with your patients. So it's a bit of a nightmare. And to be honest, the research is now also backing this up. Something that I've actually noticed. I've been a physio now for more than 20 years. Oh, my soul, I'm getting old. But what I've, what I've seen in practice is that all these things like massage and um, acupuncture and things like it's really good for pain management, but you do not need that to recover. And most running injuries, all you need to know is what not to do so you can get it to settle down. And then also what can you, what should you be doing to strengthen that bit back up? And you've got, if you combine those two things and slowly go back into your running when you're ready for it, boom, you're fixed. You don't need any of the other stuff. Right. No, absolutely. And as, as a physical therapist, what were some of the things that you were worried about in terms of working with people when you went to, you know, mm. a fully online presence, right? Because you mentioned before that, you know, you would be able to work with people over email, but obviously yeah. the caveat there was that you saw them yes. first, right? They were exactly. in your practice at one point or another. Maybe it was like too, maybe it was too long ago to even like have a, <laughs> a crystal recollection of exactly what was going down, but you did have that initial entree into yes. their physical nature and what was going on with them. Whereas all of a sudden you're taking it to a 100% distance relationship. What was, I guess, in your, your, in your initial offering and as you progress early on, what were some of the worries that you had around that or did you not, or did you feel pretty confident? Oh no, heaven's sake. I was really worried about it. And I have to say, you know, I said to you, everybody thought I was crazy. The only person who didn't think I was crazy was the doctor I worked with at that time. And he's an absolutely brilliant sports doctor in the UK. And when I said to him, I'm really worried about how do I assess people? How do I not miss something because I can't touch them? And I remember he took the book about assessments off, the, off his desk and he went, you do know that every single assessment we do has about an accuracy of roughly 60%. Nothing is accurate. Nothing, even if you have hands on people. It's, it's, to be honest, it, it goes about the history of how somebody has injured themselves. Because immediately if you tell me that you did a certain movement and this is how the pain settled in, fast versus slow or stuff like that, I can already think, okay, this is going to be an overuse injury or uh -uh, I've got to suspect a tear here. Or actually, I think you may have a serious ligament injury. I can't assess this online. So you've got to go see somebody in person. And this is the best type of person to see for that. Um, so it's about being really good with picking up the signs and symptoms of there's a possibility of something being serious and getting that checked. And if it checks out that it's not, happy for you to come back and we can carry on with rehab. But we first need to, to sort that bit out. Now, in, in the U.S., we've had telehealth type solutions, you know, basically working with like your general practitioner and people like mm -hmm. that. They've been available for a while, um, but they haven't been widely embraced it was just kind okay. of like this part of like your your health insurance, like through your company or whatever. That was like, yeah. hey, and we also have this where you're like, you have one of the things where like you first hear about it. You're like, oh, that's interesting. And you forget about it 15 yeah. minutes later and you never use it. Um, at least that was for the for <laughs> me and the people around me. That was the experience. And I'm harbor a guess that the vast majority of people listening to this probably yeah. had a very similar experience. Then 2020 
comes to town yeah. and all of a sudden a lot of people are having a very different experience from a telehealth perspective right you have a couple different things that change first of all the technology is shifting right like right now we're looking at each other in video the the, the video is crystal clear right yes, like it's almost exactly. as if we can see each other perfectly all right so you have the, the technological advancement you have obviously with covid you have you know doctors who work much more busy mm-hmm. and you have the physical limitations where people are just worried about being in physical contact. So telehealth all of a sudden explodes out of necessity. Mm. What did it mean for you as someone who was already in the business and who was looking to be, you know, continually try to make what you're doing better? Well, okay, it meant a massive panic attack because literally I went to bed on a Thursday evening and I woke up on a Friday morning and my diary was fully booked. Now, mm. I had been opening just the whole day up until that point, because I would have like one or two people book in. And then suddenly I had 10 in a row on a Friday morning. And I'm like, I don't know if I can see 10 people in a row online. How is this going to work? Um, but yeah, so then then things like quality control. How do you follow these people up? How do you make sure that you give the best care to each patient comes into? But the interesting bit was that what happened with our clinic is that the way that people find us is always through YouTube. They're Googling for for conditions and um, they often Google for things that's stubborn to get better, like Achilles tendons or um, groin pain, groin strains, stuff like that. And because we have a lot of I think like I immediately go to IT band when I think of runners, like the the classic like plantar fasciitis IT band, but like the lingering issues that that people just can't shake. Exactly. And then, but what happens now is we see so many of the same type of person that you start getting really, really experienced. We've got a specialist service for Achilles tendons. And I, I, you can wake me up in the middle of the night and say, I've got this, 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 this. What do you do? Right. Adapt your exercises. Like It's just like that volume you get for that. But that's also interestingly how, because the, the reason we got into contact is because of an app that we've basically created because we, we want to try and get good quality physio available to everybody because it's, it frustrates the living daylights out of me when I see a patient who I know if they saw a physio within the first two, three weeks, it could have been sorted. It doesn't have to be, but now they're six months on, it's dragging on. They've got all these negative thoughts and feelings about this pain now. So now it's become an issue and it could have been sorted. And so what happened was one of my online patients in that time, because we were in Thailand at that time, was a, a, a guy from Germany. And Unbeknownst to me, he had um, he was working for a tech startup at that point, and he'd just done his first ultra marathon. Came out of there really chuffed, but with a hamstring injury. Had to wait forever to see a doctor. Then, when he finally saw a doctor, and this was a sports doctor, couldn't get it diagnosed. Didn't know how to treat it. Saw three different doctors over a period of time. Couldn't diagnose it. Couldn't treat it. Then he saw me online, and I went, "Well, that's distal hamstring tendinopathy. You've got to do this and this and this." And he he got it sorted. So then he went back to work and chatted to his one colleague in the tech company and said to her, what's going on here? We need to be able to make this work better. Um, so then he, Philip and Luthia decided to start um, Exact Health, where the aim is to build an app that people can use this app for their rehab, that you don't actually need the physio in your room. This app, you feed it back how you felt when you did your exercises how difficult it was, how easy it was. And the app calculates for you where you need to go next with it. Now, again, people will think, how do you do that? Well, the reason I thought, yeah, this can work when they approached me was 
that's basically how a physio's brain works when you move into the, come into my room. I immediately start asking you questions and depending on what you answer me, I do other things. And your rehab, I progress, I want you to reach this target, then I move on to this, then I move on to that. If you tell me this, we go to that pos position. Um, so yeah, that's the, the interesting place where that's taken me in the end. I love that. Yeah, I, lo I love the kind of iterative process to, to, to create something new, but also extremely useful. When your diary first filled up that day, when all of a sudden like, you get this explosion of clients who are coming to you, obviously that was because th this was a necessity for them, right? They yeah. were kind of like backed into a corner. It's like, all right, this is my only option. I guess I'm going to do that. When someone has does something because it's their only option, it's not like as if all of their hesitations have fallen away. It's just because this was the only option. So as you're working with these people, what were some of the hesitations that you started to see around this remote model? And how yes. did you kind of let – how did you see that evolve over like that year, two-year situation? And then how did you work with it uh, to make sure – that they were fully comfortable because I would assume mm, that if they're mm. not fully comfortable with what's going on, the likelihood of them even pursuing what what you're prescribing yeah. and doing what you're prescribing, I would assume that the, the retention rate there would, would dip significantly well, if they're not fully invested. The interesting bit is that the hesitation was always up until the first minute that the call starts. So it's taking the decision to book in. But the funny bit is as soon as you start chatting and you start moving – um, and showing things and demonstrating stuff and they get to go with it, you forget that you're not in the same room. It's a really bizarre thing. And we get people to fill out a, a form afterwards, after every single initial consultation, give us feedback, how can we improve, all of that stuff. And without fail, they, they are all surprised at how well it works. And then the other thing that they like is that they have easy access to their physio. So they don't have to wait three weeks to get an update. You send me an email the next day and say, ah, you know that test you made me do yesterday? I woke up this morning, it doesn't feel great. So immediately I can say to you, okay, right, this is the game plan. This is how we get it to calm down. Boom, then you're ready to go again. Um, so they, they actually, once they've experienced that first kind of feedback loop, they prefer it because it fits in with their lives and they get that, that immediate reaction from the physio. And that makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the things you mentioned, too, was just it, it kind of hinted at access, that this was mm. this was not simply a a convenience play for you in yeah. order to a convenience for them and convenience for yeah. you, that this was also potentially an access issue where people were not ha did not have access to people who could help, um, whether access at all or at least in a timely manner. Mm. So how has the access piece changed here? And obviously, when we talk about access, especially here in the U.S., you're also talking about cost. Right. Absolutely. Because cause this is this is an additional cost. And for some people seeing a PT, even if they have enough time to see a PT and they yeah. have a PT that they want to see and it's credentialed. And we'll talk about a PT who has running experience, you know, kind of you know, a little mm. bit later on mm. the conversation. Sometimes just the cost here, if especially if it's yeah. not covered by insurance because it's, it's just it's kind of like a simple injury and you just turned your ankle or who knows what. That is a potential major sticking point for some people. Absolutely. So. And it's, it's quite funny because we do have a few clients from the USA and they often feedback, thank you for being so affordable. And then I think, how much do they charge in the USA? Because we're not affordable in UK standards. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, interesting. Tell, tell tell me the difference in the UK standard because it's, it's all relative. Because obviously, I'm not going to yeah. say which healthcare system is better because I think depending on what you're going through, maybe you have one that you would prefer over the other, depending on your circumstances and your illnesses and yeah. things like that. But like from a PT perspective, like what is the difference? Um, well, private physiotherapy in the UK it depends on which area you're in, but you'll pay anywhere between sixty pounds British pounds up to one hundred and twenty pounds. Now, if we have to convert that, I think it's about seventy eight dollars to let's call it then $140 for initial assessment, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, so yeah, I don't know where that ranks for your, how much it costs to see a PT in, in the US. Yeah, I think it really just depends on what people's plans are. Yeah. That's, the, that's the hard part is that it, it can vary yeah. wildly depending on what your plan is and, and you know what your injury is, right? Did you have an MRI that leads you into this versus just like, hey, I just booked an appointment, right? Yeah, or yeah, did you yeah. get a referral from your doctor? And that's why our, it gets tricky yeah. for a yeah. lot of people. Um, so, um, so, t- so tell me about just the pricing model here. Like within, so you have the exact mm-hmm. app, which we're going to talk about this in a little bit. And I know people are going to be like, "Why are we talking about this?" Well, because every runner visits <laughs> yeah. a PT. Every single runner, and some of you have really good PTs that you love. Congratulations. Others, maybe you moved recently. You don't know people around you, or maybe some people don't have a PT that they like. They've had. Some so-so experiences, yeah. it's not that great. And they're, they're kind of on the market for something better. So I think people kind of fall into you know, one of those three buckets. So I think this is an important conversation to have. So from a, pr- a pricing perspective, what mm. does that look like? Yeah, so with the exact app, so if we think of tiers of people, because I mean, I, I grew up in South Africa. Now, South Africa, brilliant country, really diverse, but we've got a massive portion of the population who's unemployed and it's not because they don't want to be employed it's just there are no jobs so there's a lot of poverty um, lots of people who don't have access to proper health care proper things going on so coming from that background I've always felt the need to help people but now going with online physio that helped already that people who are in remote areas don't have access to good running physios or good sports physios can access that but it still doesn't help people who don't have a lot of money, who can't afford to pay the prices that you pay for a proper physio. Now, that's where the app, and the nice thing is that those values across the team kind of fits really well, that we all have this this value that we share, that we really want to make things affordable to people right across the world. So, of course, we've got to start slowly because there's regulations in every country we've got to tick and it's important for us that we do make those regulations because we want to be registered as he- uh, as medical devices and things like that right this isn't like a social media app there's there's no, credentials exactly. here and stuff like that yeah, yeah exactly so we've got um registration in the in the eu as well as a proper medical device um so we've got to roll it out bit by bit but the the dream is that we can make proper rehab plans that takes you through all the steps like a physio can um, for an affordable price that's more affordable. It won't ever be for free because we've got to charge something for that as well. Um, but it's got to be affordable for even your low-income people. And I have to say on that point, we're releasing the app. I think as this podcast goes out, the app should be live in the USA. And if you are one of the first people who join it, then it will continue to be free for you. Um, so yeah, it's a incentive to download the app and start it at least. <laughs> there you go. Exact. E X E E X A K T. Correct. Exact. Yes, it's it's written in the German way for exact. 
So it's exact. Well, it's but, an app, so it has to be spelled differently. In, in America, exactly. all apps, all startups, are. The, I think there's a rule. I don't I think it was passed in 1997. It, none of these things can be spelled correctly if it's a startup or an app. It's just the way it goes. Um, <laughs> just, just kidding. But it's uh, yeah. So let's talk about the not the need for, but the benefits mm. of. I guess I should say of having a physical therapist that is well versed in running, right? Yeah. Either because they have run for a long time. Um, or they maybe used to run, or I mean, maybe they don't have to necessarily be run. Maybe they work with a lot of runners, so mm. they are really well versed in what runners need. And I think we talked a little bit uh, offline about the lingo and yes, just like the yes. just the way people talk about running and how for every sport that can be wildly different. Yeah. And if you're not well versed in a sport or an activity, there could be potential like language barriers even if you speak the same language in terms of like what am i actually saying right like a wrestler may might say when they say i'm doing a workout that may be something completely different from a runner who says hey i'm going to do do my workout today um and knowing the little differences can mean a lot yeah so um i found it interesting to listen to um is it jess mena that you spoke to about yeah yeah i listened to the one about core because she I, I giggled because she's also a runner herself. She knows all the thought process that goes on in runners' heads, you know, that they are not going to do this workout because it's too long or they are not going to do that because because you yourself as a physio who should know better also have those processes. Um, but yes, so if we think of sports, um, running, hockey, football, you name it, they all have different requirements. And so as a good sports physio, you've got to be able to adapt. But if you have a special interest in runners, you know exactly what strength they need, how they, you've got to understand how they schedule their workout in the week, because depending on where they are in their training schedule and how their weeks fall, you need to be adapting their rehab. You need to be adapting their, just their, their strength training plans as well, because otherwise that leads to overtraining. Um, and I, I also find that if you have a special interest in running, you have to, you'll find that the physio understands the little bits about nutrition, all of those little bits, you know, the other things, not just the exercise bits, how that all has to fit in together. And they're able to advise on those bits for you. And I think, especially when you're talking about an overuse injury, I think it's so important there too, because what it can be seen as like overtraining and running may not be seen that way at all in another sport, mm. right? Like we talk all the time on here, especially about, you know, people who have cross-trained or people who maybe have experience in triathlon, right? Mm. How like mm. a cyclist can go out and hammer every yes. other day. Yes. Whereas like a runner did that, that would be a recipe for disaster. But for a cyclist, yeah. that's just normal training. And that's, that's nothing new. Whereas like if someone's only into, we'll kind of we'll flip the script here, it seems like if a PT only did runners and all yeah. of a sudden they were like thrust into the cycling world, they'd be horrified. They'd be like, you guys are doing yeah. way too much up-tempo stuff. Like, right, we're going to all of a sudden, <laughs> like, we got we to scale this all back. And they'd be like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. You know, because like there's, again, there's no impact and, and just other things yeah. that are happening. Whereas like you're also going to experience a wide variety of different injuries, right? You're, all of a sudden you're going to have like half your team is going to have low back issues because it's a cycling team. Yeah. Whereas like maybe 5% of your runners have low back issues. And I feel like yeah. the, the repetitive nature of some of these injuries in terms of like the repetition among the number of people who get them, I can imagine that being uh, also a point of um, know, a point of clarity where it's like, hey, this is a common injury yeah. for X runner. Or like, oh, you're doing a yeah. lot of indoor track. 
Mm. You're exactly. also not changing directions. All right, yes. let's kind of talk about X, Y, Z, and just just the little things like that. Yeah, and also just advising in the rehab, depending on the the injury they have, what type of terrain is better to run on, what will suit them better. Um, but talking about lingo, also understanding that what's fast for one person is slow for the next. I remember I once worked with a top level athlete where I, I, he came back after an Achilles injury and I begged him to just do a very slow jog, please. And I, I put a time that I still thought was fast. I think it was something like five minutes per kilometer for easy run. You know, that's his easy run. He came back and it was something like four minutes, not even, I, I wonder if it was under four. It was something like that. And it's like, he just can't go slower than that. That is his slowest. If he's trying to go slower, it'll just injure him. <laughs> That's also when I realized I have no time. Right, right. Actually, <laughs> to, 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 all my, to all my U.S. friends. So we're basically talking about the difference between eight, like an 8.15 mile and like a 6.45 yes. mile, which for an elite yeah. athlete, a 6.45 mile is pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. It's like that is he's not even getting a sweat and he's looking like, yeah, an easy run. Whereas if I ran full out, I could do that for 100 meters, I think. But yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. All right, so I, I really appreciate this now. And we talked about this offline. So I, people might wonder like, oh, what's he saying to, why is he saying this to her? But I think the, the key thing, especially when we have people on who are talking about different apps or products or services mm -hmm. is that this is not an infomercial, right? This is something that yeah, I believe no. in. I think this is a good thing, but also nothing is good for all people all the time, yeah. right? So you talked about where in the kinds of people that this would be really good for. However, yes. there's another side of that coin. Who are, who, not necessarily who, but what are the circumstances where you think like Exact Health or a similar type service mm. or product might not be the best fit for somebody that maybe they do yeah. need to see someone in person or maybe there is a more thorough exam that they would need? What are some things that come to mind where this wouldn't necessarily be the first option that you would recommend? Yeah. So definitely if I think of, how I can divide my patients. There are ones where they're just really worried about the injury and they're not comfortable. First of all, you've got to have a diagnosis to use the Exact Health app because diagnosing yourself online, <laughs> it's not that accurate. So even if you think you're really, really sure about what you have, just go see your doctor, go see your physio, make sure that you have it. Because if you use any of the programs in the app for a different condition, um, even you may think one knee pain is the same as the other. It is very different. They have to be used for exactly what they've been prescribed for because there's specific things that one injury can tolerate and others can't. Now, with injuries, the funny thing about pain is that we used to think that pain um, is all about how much damage you have. So if I have a lot of pain, I've got a lot of damage, my injury is really bad. Then we started getting cool machines like MRI scanners and then we went, oh crap. Now, uh, that doesn't actually work like that. So what we're seeing now is somebody will have a terrible MRI scan, but nearly no damage in their knee. The next person will have a terrible MRI scan showing everything is wrong and they'll go, yeah, but it doesn't really hurt. So we've learned now that pain is not linked to injury, but pain is something that can be really demoralizing and really get your, you, know, you down. And if you ignore it and try to, to train through it, your injury can get worse, but also your pain will get worse because that's just how it works. It's the alarm system of the body. So if you've got pain that is really worrying you and it seems to be triggering through the exercises and stuff that is just not settling, 
you're probably somebody who will do much better with somebody in the room with you and looking after how you do the exercises, reassuring you that it is correct, um, all of those things. Because otherwise, if you're worried about what you're feeling, it will actually, there's research to show that that just increases your pain, even if it doesn't increase your, your, your injury. Um, then I will also say that for anybody who has other things going on, say for instance, you have a knee injury, but you also have an ankle injury and you have a shoulder that's a bit iffy, you will likely benefit from some, seeing somebody who can adapt the exercises for you. Because if something is right for a knee injury, some of those exercises may actually upset your ankle injury. So it's definitely not going to be beneficial for you. And I haven't figured out a way in the app yet to take both into consideration at the same time. Right. Right. And, that, and that's not even talking about like the underlying theme that might be like setting up all of these, right? Like a pre-existing injury that's then creating this domino effect of symptoms. Exactly. Exactly. So ideally, I would say um, this type of type of technology is brilliant for somebody who just has a clean cut sports injury. If you have got a few different things going on, you will likely be better off seeing a physio in person, even if you don't see them every week, but perhaps you use the app, but check in with them that they can just see, okay, yes, you are still on the right route. Um, so yes, that's the injury treatment part of the app. But what we also need to talk about is that there's actually an injury prevention part to the app. Um, and that bit was interesting because I had to, to, the problem I had to solve there was how can I make this right for everybody? So I don't bore the ones who are fit, but I also don't injure the ones who aren't fit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was challenging. Right. Right. And also it's, it, that, that not only that, but also people are coming at it from different levels of experience with different exercises. So if mm. they've never done an exercise before, they'd be like, am I doing it right? You know, how much instruction yes. do you put in there versus someone who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, single leg deadlift. Got it. You don't, I don't need yeah. all the, the, the kind of the how to's. Um, yeah, that's that, that, that is yeah, interesting. So that, that can get tough. And, and, and also figuring out a way to make it so it's sustainable, right? Whereas yes. people aren't doing like, all right, now I got to do like 45 minutes of exercise before run, yes. 30 minutes of exercise after yes. run. I'm only running for 10 minutes now because I only had like an hour and a half to do my whole, <laughs> yeah. my whole exercise routine. And I'm spending the whole time doing pre-run and post-run. Yes, yes. And I, I giggled again when I listened to that core workout uh, podcast you did because you mentioned how you got demotivated when the person you went to see it for core exercises just basically made you breathe and do this one exercise yes. that you couldn't yes. control. So uh, you definitely want to skip level one of the core workouts when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the ability to skip it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think learning about this is so important because every runner, if they haven't seen a PT yet, you will and or you should because mm -hmm. this is this stuff is very important. Obviously, it's not just about resolving an injury. Preventing an injury is also very important. And the fact that that's part of the app too is vital because we all need to be part of that. And I have found, and I was just talking to my friend mm -hmm. Jason Fitzgerald yesterday on the Strength Running Podcast, that when I started doing uh, some very specific lower body exercises after I had a knee bursitis issue, mm -hmm. I haven't had gotten injured since. So yes. not only is it making me a stronger athlete, which I, I'll take any day of the week, but also just from an injury prevention standpoint, I haven't been injured since then. Yeah. Besides like, you know, a freak, like, you know, <laughs> playing 
monkey in the middle with my son and tweaking my groin <laughs> because I was like, you know, doing something oh, ridiculous. No. Uh, but nothing like actually on the run, yes, overuse yes, injuries, yes. anything like that. Um, and I, I found that that, that mattered a lot. And again, if it's three to five, three to six, three to seven minutes, it's it's one of those things where it can be sustainable and it can work. Mm. And it's not going to be like a drag on your time where all of a sudden, like, it's stopping you from running or stop it, or you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have this guilt associated with not doing these exercises yes. all the time, uh, which I know a lot of people can feel. No, and also, don't you feel when you do put in the strength training once or twice a week that you just feel as if you can run? You start the run and you go, I feel like Superman, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. It's true, right? It's, it's, it is so true. And especially once you pass that, like, 10 to 14 day window after mm. like you get used to an exercise you're no longer like a little bit sore even though you're not doing a lot you're like how am i sore i've only done like i've only done a couple of these um but yeah once you once you pass, pass that first or second week and it just becomes part of the routine yeah I, it's funny because every time i get back into it every yes. time i've taken a break from the strength training side and I get back into it, I always chide myself afterwards. Like, I actually enjoy this. Why yes. did I stop? Yes. Doesn't, yes. I'm just like, you know, it's just one of those things. You, you end up like, why am I being so self-destructive here? Like, I actually enjoy this and it's good for me. What was the counter argument here? <laughs> no, exactly. Uh-uh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I tell everybody to go check out the Exact Health app. That's E-X-A-K-T. That will be, I think it's... Uh, September 6th, I think, is the launch, launch yes. date for the app, which is very nice. Also, that means that if you're listening to this po- this podcast, that it launched at least six days ago and maybe even <laughs> farther because you might be listening to this in 2024 for all I know. But it means it is available. Go check it out in the App Store today and give it a give it a shot and see if it's a good fit for you. Marika, thank you so I much for coming on. If I can add one more thing. Please do. Honestly, just use it and give us feedback. Even if you want to oh. say something is really bad. Because we do, all your feedback is being read by an actual person and we do use it to improve the app. So just let us know what you think about it. Great point. Great point. And what's the best way for them to get in touch with you with the feedback? Um, well, they can go on the website, fill in a form if they like, or in the app, there's a give us feedback thing that, that they can click and they can, Perfect. they can do it directly from there. Perfect. All right. Well, hey, enjoy your time in Barbados and wherever you're going to <laughs> next. Seems like you got some wild adventures planning, wild adventures coming up. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a big pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Marika, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Go check out Exact Health app. It is now out over on the Apple um, App Store. There it is, the Apple App Store. <laughs> Couldn't spit that out for a second. Also, make sure you're checking out Relay, uh, patreon.com forward slash Relay for some of the most creative, collaborative, and interesting running content on the internet. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running.